0: Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. We're back. Hey, Brent. How's it going?
1: I'm fine, man. Thanks for
0: having me.
1: How So, uh, how you been? Uh, overworked, you under. Exciting? Yes. Uh, I did a big presentation to Scott Guthrie. I've heard of that man right, since we last talked. And he is now referring other teams to me by name. I'm not certain if it's good or bad that Scott Guthrie knows my name.
0: Brent's a mover and a shaker on his way up.
1: Uh, I'm definitely moving and shaking things, but now I've got teams coming to me at a at a rate at around three teams per employee on my team. <laughs> so I have a I have a scale problem coming very quickly. Well, the trick to that is just say no, Nancy Reagan.
0: I was just going to say no.
1: You don't like the Nancy Reagan add-on? No, I don't. No. Oh.
0: So, anyway. Um, so, uh, it's exciting
1: times. So I will figure out a way to scale. Don't know how yet, but I have confidence that my background thinker processor will some at some moment at 3 a.m. over the next week will wake me up and go this is the answer and i'll go oh thank you background processor i will execute that immediately how about you you've been traveling uh i did a quick trip to
0: montreal i left on sunday came back wednesday night got up early for my thursday morning meeting luckily got lots of sleep last night um So, yeah, yeah, a quick trip to Montreal. I'm home for two weeks, and then I am off to Sweden, to, uh, wait, Norway, Sweden? Let me think a second. Sweden. (laughs) Good God. I am am less geographically challenged than most Americans. I'm just stupid. So, yeah, I'm off to Sweden to give a talk on uh, reflections on modern testing. So the point of that talk is a... A brief little intro to modern testing, and then I want to share some stories from some people that have done some modern testing-like things in the world, and we'll talk about what's next. Uh, it should be fun. I will share slides uh, once I complete them on our oneofthe so that's exciting. I also recently, if you're listening to this and you listen to our feed, you go, what the hell is this weird new age jazz stuff and Alan just talking? Kicked off the intro episode of the ABT 3 for 3 podcast, which is a, will be a, a sporadic but interesting and shorter version of A-Testing, because there's no Brent there. It's just Alan talking to members of the three, members of the community. Uh, I have one show ready to post, probably go out next week. I have another one recorded, just need some editing, and a few others lined up to record, so those should be fun. They're all about 20 minutes long. Just a brief little peek into... A slice of life and people doing things that are modern testing like.
1: You have one released. I just the intro. You released the in- okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough.
0: Fair enough. So that's coming up, uh, and that's it. That's my travel for the end of the year, uh, and then I'm going to London for like eight days in eight or nine days in January. Cool, and that's as far ahead as I can think. So that's what's going on with me. Uh, Where I I haven't turned around. Where are we starting on today's podcast journey?
1: I would start...
0: Do you want to start with the letter? Or do you want to start with... Oh, the letter. It it might go into that. So let me give some context here. Yeah. It's not really a letter, I guess. I was thinking mailbag, but it's not a mailbag. It was a Slack message. And I need to give some context.
1: All of our mailbags are Slack messages.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. This is just a different one. So this is gonna take a while to work into. Correct me where I veer off course or I'm wrong. So most of you know I work at Unity. I recently, six months ago, changed jobs away from being a director of QA. I became, did I ever tell you my title? It's stupid. I wanted to be director of delivery so bad. That's what I do. I make sure that we can deliver. And the way I describe it without saying accelerate the achievement of shippable quality is I say I help our organization about growing 200 plus engineers how to balance quality and frequent releases and shipping faster. How can we go faster and with higher quality? Because those things balance each other out. I think I might have mentioned that on the podcast before. I'll take a shot of tequila right now. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. And... That's what I do in the org. My title is director of program management, it, mm. which, which has no. a, uh, which <laughs> is hard for me because at Microsoft, where I spent a big chunk of my life, uh, the program manager role is such a bastardized bit of the remainder that's different from org to org, and is actually nothing like the program management I do now. That it it hurts a little bit, but I'm I'm getting it. I'm I'm getting I'm getting past it. Are you managing a program? program? <laughs> I'm managing all of our programs.
1: Okay, it seems like a, a so it's literally much, relevant title. It's much
0: more when I actually read books. It's funny how often you like do internet searches on program management and you end up with project management, either in name or in description. But when I've done some reading and research on program management. It's actually it's actually what I do. I make sure all of our programs execute. It's very highly added to quality. And actually my full title is Director of Program Management and Quality. Uh, so I still have that keyword in there. But anyway, I still like director of delivery. That describes much better what I do, but they wouldn't they wouldn't make up a new title for me.
1: So a lot of syllables for essentially a release PM. Oh, ouch, ouch! <laughs>
0: but it's, it's much more than that. We'll get to that later.
1: How does ship room go at unity? Oh, we don't have a ship.
0: Room. <laughs> Why would, how could you have a ship room? I'm not in,
1: redoing the, the old school, um, and test actually manager versus new school no, no, no. episode, but
0: actually the editor engine team does have something kind of like a ship room. But, uh, when we're shipping, we have stuff shipping, I mean, we have 90 services that make up monetization alone, and those are shipping all the
1: time. Yeah, that's actually an interesting criteria, right? In the old days, just the existence of a ship room was necessary because you need to get everyone together because the decision to ship – was a unanimous yeah, and, decision
0: and, and also irreversible decision it wasn't
1: it was <laughs> I mean it, for all intents and purposes yes, it was irreversible it would be extremely expensive and and as someone who holds accountability for uh allowing a recall class bug to go out um yeah, I'm very sensitive to those type of things I do think. Uh, on as an aside, <laughs> shipping a recall class bug, uh, it's something you have no choice to do, but once, but is a super valuable learning lesson.
0: So here's an, <laughs> uh, an interesting stage where we're at, and I want to, and we'll get to a point here eventually. We have we we're talking about the SRE team earlier bef- before we started recording at Unity, and we have incidents, uh, errors in production. Something goes wrong. We've had a few that were just, oops, bad code, but those really, they happen, but they're super rare right now. What we have is the flavor of error of, oh wow. It's actually, I'll put it this way. What we have are errors of complexity,
1: and what would I call? Complexity or complexity due to integration?
0: Complexity due to, like, I make a change in this thing, and then this unexpected thing downstream does something I unexpected based on that. Yeah. So that error of complexity, Uh, we have a lot of those and we'll work on getting more resilient towards those. Uh, We have some errors because a third party provider, our cloud platform, for example, may have an issue. Okay. There's, of course there's stuff with failover. You can do there to help there longer term. And then there are, we had an interesting issue. I don't know if I can go into it too much. But I'll put it this. I, I can this way. We had an interesting error. It Took us a while to track down. We had uh, one of our metrics was what we expected for something we were uh, we had ro- rolled out to a small percentage of our of our users, and the metrics were off. The monitoring. It's like this. Something's weird here.
1: Off as in going in the wrong direction. Wrong not, direction. Wrong not direction. Even in this something.
0: Okay. It, we had something we expected to be at a level. When we rolled out to a certain, to ten percent, and it was not at that level, and it was well below. It was not horrible, but there was something going on, and we dug and we dug. Like we looked at all our we re-reviewed code, uh, undoing the change completely would not have been a valid case because it was. Jesus, so hard to talk abstractly about this. Anyway, we couldn't, believe me, we couldn't just undo the change. We needed to figure out why the change we made was causing problems, lots of reviews, et cetera, et cetera. We found out that it was um, just a malicious player running some scripts.
1: Okay, so your system wasn't flawed in any way. Or did or did the, well it, it or depends. Did it
0: change the system was flawed in that it was did it open
1: uh, up a hook that the hacker could use No, did no, okay.
0: no 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 there's nothing they, they didn't get anything but the fact that they were trying caused our numbers to go off mm. so it's that anomaly detection which is as you know as a data scientist is a kind of a hard thing
1: no anomaly detection is not hard not I at think, all really yeah Root causing the source. Okay, okay. that's hard. <laughs> okay, All right. fair enough. So
0: anyway, uh, my role. Oh, so getting back on track. I, as some of the three know, I send a newsletter. It used to my, uh, it used to be my team. Then it was my former team, and then eventually I just called the. Unit, eventually, it turned into something we call the Unity Quality Newsletter, and I send it to a whole bunch of people at unity and various people sign up, including my manager.
1: Current. Current. previous,
0: Per at both. Okay. Uh, So lots of people read this thing. I just sent one out. Interestingly about accelerate. Okay. And kind of going into the
1: the, book. Yes. Oh, the word. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just the word.
0: The letter a is beautiful. And it's also a stands for Alan. Not coincidentally stands for shut the crap up. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, uh I got a message from my boss. Said, hey, I got your newsletter.
1: Great. And, Mail then, works. and then he said,
0: I have another idea for you for your next new like great. Now he's giving me and I'm paraphrasing this. Brent's actually read the quote, but I'm paraphrasing the uh the text. He's he's a very eloquent speaker and writer. But and I hope he's listen to this podcast. <laughs> but uh Wait, you said you
1: hope he hope does. Hope he doesn't.
0: Because I, anyway, I have, <laughs> nothing, I have nothing bad to say about him. Actually, I don't. And I've, as, as you know, I've hated a lot of managers. Yeah. Well, mostly my last one at Microsoft, but it's others too. No, uh, you. you. I, I will throw any names under the bus. I thought Chris, I, I liked Chris in Xbox. He's good. Mm.
1: Anyway. All right, then.
0: So, and this ties into my program manager and quality role and uh, everything else I do. He says blah blah blah. Imagine a quality imagine as a quality leader, as you are, as me and of our many of our listeners are, if you got control of the program management aspect of the organization, which I have, and made some <laughs> changes. <laughs> it's
1: Halloween. I was trying to
0: What changes would you make and how would they be measured? And measured's tough. But what changes would you make and how would they be measured? And then they says, in your experience in this role, what have you learned about having that control of the activity of a product organization so far and what matters? But that first half, I think, is kind of interesting. I'm going to throw it to you, and I'd love to throw it to the listeners as well. But as someone with quality experience, as a quality and testing specialist, I'm rephrasing this in the terms we use in modern testing. Mm-hmm. If you're given a role where you're in charge of program management of an organization-
1: Wait, we want to look at it from a quality and testing specialist? No. I don't well, care to do that. Okay, as a quality leader. <laughs> All right, fair okay. enough. Which
0: is, I think
1: me... As a testing specialist, how would you tell... Uh, what would you do for PM?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's important. I think a lot of people, a lot of non-modern testers, may approach this challenge with a hammer. Mm-hmm. I would have mandates and these things. i don't think that's necessarily the right way to do it uh but i can give some context about the org and the way we work as we go but i'm just going to throw this to you uh i'll rephrase the question one more time so as a quality leader which you are even though you're in data science so as a quality leader you're in charge of program management for a large organization making sure all their programs run we can talk about what that means as needed what are some things you do and how would you measure them or how would you measure success
1: Okay, I was kind of hoping you'd answer the second question. You, first. Do you
0: want me to do that first?
1: Yeah, I
0: no. Actually, I think that's better. I, unless so, the
1: answer is nothing. No the answer <laughs> the answer is
0: not nothing. So the second second half is in. So in my experience, yeah. what have I learned about having the control of that, and so far, and what matters? But I think that that's more of a follow up to the discussion from you. I can talk about what I've done, right. and what I haven't done because there's. You know how you are and you're in a new role and you're figuring it out, you feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting this, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. And you get to a point you look back and go, Oh, I could have done that stuff a lot better. I'm kind of at that
1: stage. To do this longer would be easy. The first thing the first thing I would do is essentially start executing against a, a Reese style playbook. Program management program management, project management, PM, uh, right. Their job is to help you grow the business by creating happy customers, okay? Sounds a lot like accelerate the achievement of shippable quality, except in my view, the PM role should be at least, if not more, one milestone ahead of the rest of the engineering team.
0: So I think you're confusing a little, I mean, let, let's, let's get our PM roles here uh, that's set context? Uh, set context. Mm-hmm. So we have product managers who are, and that's more like what our program management roles were at Microsoft. Um, a okay. little bit more like the product owner. So the, the project, the product manager, they're the ones who talk to the customer, figure out what we're building, establish the whatever requirement doc uh, or, or better stories define what the feature is, what, what the things are we're building. Okay. They figure out, they're the ones figuring out what's the hypothesis for the experiments should, we're running.
1: Should I change my view of uh, this text and just put in release manager?
0: Well, no, because that's, <laughs> I, and I know you're, yeah. So, right, you so when, you, when you're context. talking about PM, that uh, so product managers do those sorts of things. So my role is, there is some release management in there, and I've done that role before, but it's a lot more risk management. A lot of my role is making sure that people are doing the right things to plan their work, to make sure. I mean, we do P50 estimates, uh, which are surprisingly good. I I can go into those later. I make P50 sure that I, I,
1: estimates with what sample size?
0: Fifty percent probability will hit the estimate on this date. So. Take a chunk out of Hubbard's "How to Measure Anything" book. We're no. going to try and estimate with a 50% probability that we'll hit this date. Okay, that's what we mean by P50 estimates. So I'm making sure people are talking to each other, making sure uh, coordination between teams is working as as needed. Are like most teams, when a sub team needs to ship something, they do it very well, and their predictions are very accurate and quality is high. As Features or functionality begins to span multiple groups of teams is when more risk is introduced, I'll say. So I try and make sure I can identify where those areas are, get the right people talking, ask a lot of good questions. I'm good at uh, precision questioning or just asking, like, what's the worst thing that could go wrong if you ship this tomorrow? And they freak out and create a whole big list of work items to go investigate, which is good. Uh, So, things like that. So, I'm really just trying to resolve, constantly trying to mitigate risk across the organization. So, that's my role.
1: Mitigate or prevent?
0: Prevent if I can, I'll take mitigate.
1: Okay. And the risk you perceive is what? It's primarily lack of communication? The risk
0: is complexity or lack of understanding of complexity. When you look at estimates, estimates really are just uh, an evaluation of complexity. So I try and make sure that we have more context to evaluate that complexity, so that we can make better choices and or trade-offs or communicate downstream or et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's the difference in, and and that's fairly constant in what I've read in the books that I found that have been about program management and the writing online about program management versus product or project management.
1: Okay, so in the context of the role you're talking about, the decision around what to ship, what we're going to start working on is already made. Your your role the way you describe is now around reducing risk and in- increasing predictability of the delivery is that right sure part of it okay
0: which is i think why it ties into quality quite well
1: if the outcome variables so in some regards like what you describe you could not care about quality at all right your job is someone made a decision to ship this we're going to ship this damn it
0: no 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 i i never said that
1: no, no. So, how does quality play into this? What 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 pivots do you have in your role as as a quality leader here, or is that maybe the question? How do we introduce quality into this?
0: Yeah, the answers to your question are sort of endless. I just the, the reason for the okay. trying to explain a little bit what I do was to provide you context because in your answer to the question. You are falling into the traditional Microsoft definition of program management, which isn't program management.
1: No, no, no. So, I, I here's what I have in my head. Right. Um. I think of a train station. Okay. You're the you're the the guy that's standing on outside of the train station with the stopwatch, making sure the train leaves on time. But someone else has already decided what. What the train schedule is, what uh, the destination. No. No? Okay. No.
0: That, that's not it at all. So. Uh,
1: I'm trying to map it. I mean, you're right. There's a, there's a very different. Is there actually, maybe we should just go this way. Is there a role at Microsoft that is directly, is there a title at Microsoft that's directly to the thing that you're talking about? No. Okay, so that we we're gonna have to go get on the the more complex. So yeah. Um, so the product manager when does when does their jurisdiction stop and your start?
0: That's a good way to ask that. I would say that they're defining what we build. The engineering team and I'm part of engineering. Okay. Uh, the engineering team builds it. I work a lot on how. What about when? When is up to the engineering team. So, uh, one thing I, I really like about our org is oh, we have a mantra okay. or a statement only engineers can give dates. So, a product manager can say, here's what we want to build, here's the stories. And they'll say, okay, it'll be done by June 15th. I say, oh, no, we need something sooner. I say, okay, fine, cut scope and we'll reestimate.
1: Otherwise, June Tober is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, your job is to address how.
0: I would say largely how. Yes,
1: how. Okay, well then the. This.
0: Which is why your release manager thing isn't too far off, but typically that role is only effective or only prominent later in the cycle.
1: Do you? Do you have the ability to declare? Uh. We've made a decision. And we are stopping this work.
0: No, but I can and have made recommendations along those lines, which are generally followed.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So, so I how... leave I, I leave that decision to the product team. I give them the information, so that I'm not I'm not a I'm not the guy with the stopwatch and the whistle deciding when trains leave.
1: All right. So when we talk about quality, are we are we talking about uh, how would i now term code correctness no not at all i don't i don't
0: i only cover that if someone's really messed up and i
1: really have to okay so in terms of the role that you described to me it seems like quality what you have the ability to influence is make sure as part of the requirements the definition of quality is the de- is considered right a, Telemetry monitors. uh, You guys operate a service. Knowledge around. I I, I constantly think of the pivot and persevere meetings. That's in the Mm -hmm. the Reese's book. Yep. Right. Your job is going to be to make sure that post ship, those questions and those meetings are efficient, effective, and informed. Yes. Ooh, I like how I said efficient, effective, informed. Yeah. Um. But part of, if, if you control how, um, and I, I guess to some degree what, then to me the, the number one metric that matters is going to be, it's going to involve cycle time. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking something along the lines of a, some ratio of errors to cycle time. Sure. Right. it's because you want to be able to, a key part of your role is how do you iterate and move faster? Yes. But how do you do that without incidents?
0: I, I, it's so funny that after all that roundabout way, that I, I didn't know where we were gonna go, you kind of ended up with the right answer anyway.
1: I, I <laughs> okay.
0: So cycle time's important. If we go back to, I can't remember who put it this way, one of the three, but I bring it up all the time. It's, uh, In fact, I brought it up in a conversation yesterday about a related subject. uh, It was in a conversation about how we manage programs. And for context, I wanted to manage, uh, my proposal was that we manage feature or functionality or product work differently than we manage experiments but I want to make the experiments visible. So anyway, but I came up, my role is to, uh, this is stolen right from one of the three, I wish I remembered who, but I give you full credit, pat yourself on the back if you're listening. Our goal is to reduce the time from product hypothesis to customer feedback. So that's cycle time adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to accelerate the book, one of the metrics they say is an indicator or a predictor of quality is deployment frequency.
1: Wait, reduce time
0: from product hypothesis to customer feedback. If yeah. you, yeah, if you so have a, in
1: that yeah. case, your job. Oh, this is this is now going to get really interesting. So the KPI. Your glad job. A, and
0: our listeners are going. Thank God it's getting interesting
1: so the the this is in your job is to measure and increase adaptability yes
0: i want to write that one down
1: (laughs) keep going because reduce time from product hypothesis to customer feedback right first and foremost love it um so it basically says, okay, my, my stuff and I might I might even classify that. Now, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna specify an additional thing on that one. Reduce time and waste from product hypothesis to customer feedback. Because what I was I was thinking through is you want to reduce the cycle time your job is to fail faster and faster
0: yes yes that's actually um, very much the scope of my conversation about experiments Uh, my argument was that I I met with one of our data scientists our really god smart data scientists in uh, uh, Montreal and we had a long conversation about how our experiments take too long
1: why do they take too long? Uh,
0: lots of reasons. I'm not gonna. I, lots of reasons that um, are not fair for me to go into on a public podcast. We Can have. We
1: assume they're Unity technical IP reasons. Uh,
0: in some cases, yes. It's also our data science team and monetization is fairly new. But anyway, uh, most of our experiments come from our, our data science team, but. I want to use what they're doing and accelerating their ability to experiment to build a culture of experimentation across the other teams as well. So that's all part of my master plan.
1: Um, yeah, so I'm heavily in a bunch of experiments of myself right now, right? And the the team I'm interacting with, we have not implemented any sort of experimentation framework. Um, doing an experiment takes. Uh, a developer to hand code uh, and hand separate the, the sample.
0: We have many of the same issues. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: and And even then, uh, once it rolls out, you'll, you'll very quickly discover, ah, uh, crap, the two experiments uh, aren't clean enough because they both share this one variable that invalidates the experiment and then you have to do it all over again. Yeah, it's not it's it, it's not friction free. Yeah, I get that.
0: So, yeah. So many of the same issues. So without uh, going into details. Yes, there's many things that can slow down your ability to experiment and fail fast. So, yes, now now we're getting somewhere. This is I like it when conversations go this way. We're actually eventually reaching some agreement.
1: There's a time over cost that is important in your role. And I'm trying to figure out how to put that in, right? You can fail faster and faster and faster, right? Let's say presumably you could put a backlog of hypotheses that can all be independently tested as experiments. It's probably not true, but let's, let's assume, okay? But the way you do that is, it takes a thousand man hours every day to pull it off. That's too expensive. That's way expensive. Yes. Right, and so it's it's. It needs to be easy to experiment. It, it's the the price tag associated with improvements in cycle times is something to in take on. Does does. Flow, I'm trying to recall if Flow has a KPI here that you can it's use. It's
0: interesting because I was thinking about this. I'm not or I'm obviously in, mic- in Microsoft recording this but uh, right on my desk at home there's usually one book I'm referring to on my desk in front of me and the one I pulled off the shelf last night to think about this was Flow. It's on my desk so I don't know. I'm going to look it up.
1: Yeah a lot, of, a lot of what he does is justify the principles and, and explains it with Science, why that's the principle, right? So, obviously, smaller and smaller chunks is one way you're going to do this. Yes, one hypothesis at a time is a great way to build smaller and smaller chunks, right? The yeah, one
0: hypothesis at a time per feature,
1: right? Um,
0: so I, I would it it would i would not be failing fast enough if we were on one experiment at a time overall
1: no just no, to be clear the, the sequencing will will kill you yeah uh, a lot of teams will do um pairwise deployments uh, as long as the the features are mutually exclusive and don't mess or step on each other right you um so there's an art and science to how do you how do you deploy these multiple different experiments into one mm-hmm. payload so that you can reduce calendar time on this. Yep. Putting in feature flags and putting in the mechanism to track because uh, people today deal with DLL hell as well as version hell, and then when you add in flights that are making very real. Um,
0: Oh it took me a while. Dot uh, feature? The D L L is that library thing on Windows that's really shitty, right?
1: <laughs> DLL have an equivalent in every operating system. It is a it is a versioned package, whether you get it from NuGet, DLL, Python package, whatever. I guarantee you you guys have it and it's a problem. Um the yeah
0: so let me go let me back up here and get and and I want to get back towards I think we're on to something with the measurements and some things I've been thinking about so as a quality leader and I think quality leader we've thought of things like flow we've read accelerate we have ideas on what it takes to get quality software to our customers and we know it's not all testing That goes back to your functional correctness thing. It's how do we make sure we're delivering something valuable or something we can get valuable feedback from that gives value to our customers. And we had mentioned uh, error rate. uh, Frequent, so you can look at uh, deployment frequency, uh, incidents divided by deployment frequency. We get an error rate. That should decrease if quality is going up. And then a little bit about
1: Velocity. No, no. I'm going to push back on that one. Okay. So I'm thinking about Reese, okay? So I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people make in this case is that they, they go back to what you say, um, uh, they track error rate. What you need is a positive metric to improve...
0: Versus one, and one I that like is this more
1: powerful and the, re- than the negative the, one. You're the reason I
0: bring up error rate, errors per deployment, is that's one of the predictors of quality that's listed in Accelerate. So, what would be the inverse of that? What will be what metric will we try to improve rather than? Uh, so, do
1: you remember the episode we talked about uh, where where I taught you my little hypothesis process?
0: Yes. Very much so. It's completely ripped off and re-embodied in uh, the Principle 5, 6, Principle uh, (laughs) 6, forgot them all, uh, episode of the Ministry of Testing course, which is coming out next week. Anyway, (laughs) go on.
1: Plug. So, Reese came here to Microsoft, and I managed to uh, grab a seat when he came in. And he talks about... You, you grabbed his seat? No, a seat. Okay. I had... All right. Um, I, I would have maybe. Anyway, go on. And I don't want to summarize the whole first three... Well, I do want to summarize the whole first three chapters. Um, so he worked on this... He was talking about the initial... When, you, when you're in an entrepreneurial role, which may not always be the case in, in, in the topic that you're talking about, When you're trying to break into a brand-new market, you think you have created something that is an innovation. And he always recommends, first, see if anyone cares. Yes. Right? And he talked through an alternative strategy to uh, the critical failure uh, that caused him to write Lean startup. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to summarize the book, uh, but I am going to summarize the book. I'm just not going to go into detail. Um, and then, I'll, and then I'll they they, they they had a a large number of people who worked uh, forty-hour days for six months straight because they had an idea and they were convinced it would have been awesome. And the day came to ship, and they got 12 people to download the project that they and several other people had killed themselves over the last six months to deliver. Okay. Far from a, a solid ROI mm-hmm. statement.
0: We've all, uh, yep, that, that's a common story in software.
1: And so he spent time, and we've, we've talked about this in retrospective episodes, but he spent time thinking about. What could I have done differently to come to the same conclusion sooner?
0: Yeah, but this is going back to the... Now, let's talk about errors Wait, and failures.
1: Let me finish. I'm going to let you finish up. Because we're talking...
0: I think we're talking about two different things, but you may wrap it up and make some magic connection. Go.
1: I, I will. And you realize what he could have done is created a website advertising his product... With a button that says, click here to download. And at the seminar, he stated, I would have learned exactly the same thing. But that would have been infinitely uh, cheaper to produce. I
0: I just gave that same suggestion to someone last week. Where they're talking about, hey, we're not sure which of these three or four features we're going to add next to this component. I said,
1: add buttons for all of them and track who clicks what. And then he said it in the seminar. By the way, he asked the crowd, would I have had to implement that download button or would a 404 have been fine? Answer, of course, 404, 404 would be fine. fine. <laughs> right. Of and course. so... That's where that's what triggered on the the error cases because in that case you would have a sharp rise in four hundred four. It's an. Ex-
0: I'm not talking about. I mean, it's expected error. It's an expected yeah. error. So there is a huge difference overall. We're using an error to track product market fit, and which is fine. I'm talking about errors that cause uh, what we call an incident, what uh, some companies call an oops. I don't know. It's something that causes people to go fix something in production. Reese has no intent of going to fix those 404s in that case. There's there's no reason to. We just no, want, no no no. We just want to track the data. It's a it's a cheap way. What he's done the 404 is cheap telemetry. You can track the 404 on the page request, and that's most most web servers will track that for you quite easily. It's super smart. Well, but what but I'm it's talking a
1: customer value here is. That. He turned an error code into a value code.
0: So looping this back into my original statement. Okay. Is that yes, they're going to there could be caveats depending on things that are experiments or information gathering or to trying to evaluate product market fit versus actual errors that impact customer success. Now So now, and my original question was. How do you turn that metric of errors per deployment, and these are errors as I described a moment ago, into something that can be measured as a positive thing you want to improve? I, I, or maybe we don't. Maybe maybe I just push back and say actually counting errors per deployment and reducing that is something we do want to improve.
1: Errors per deployment is a vanity metric. You knew that.
0: I do know, it, I, I know it's totally gameable, but I do know and trust the research by Forsgren, A. All, and Accelerate that says it, it along with their other four key metrics they came up with, are predictors of quality. And I think they could be, it's tough. I forget what they're called. You can tell me what they're called when they measure, they find that all these things are indicative of high quality in services, but correlates. But, but the moment you begin measuring them, they become less valuable. What's that called?
1: That's Hawthorne's effect. (laughs) It really is. It's Hawthorne's effect because the second you, the people's behavior changes in accordance to how they're being measured. Okay. So let's. And anytime you measure those error rates, it eventually comes down to who's accountable to reducing them.
0: So let's go back to, once again, to the original question. So as a quality leader, what are some things, what, I don't know about, Changes is tough because you don't have the context, but what sorts of things would you measure to know that your program effectiveness, and by program I mean your ability to get, uh, if we go back to, I forget the quote, but our ability to get feedback, get value to our customers and get feedback from them, uh, what are some other things that you would measure to know if that was being effective? Or something that would be less gameable you could track against and watch improve.
1: So here's something that's actually the way you've now framed the question is extremely relevant. I have been asked to solve that problem for Azure. Azure Compute specifically. Okay,
0: great. We have the same job. We just figured that out.
1: We don't have the... I'm going to do it a fun way. You're going to do it by cat herding.
0: Or vice versa. We'll see what happens.
1: Here's another way of phrasing it. So, so I will say I have ideas on this one as it relates to compute. But here's how I will generalize it. In the absence of surveys, how do you measure a particular type of error and its individual impact to CSAT. How do you measure it without sending surveys? No, because re- surveys are stupid?
0: Revenue lost.
1: Revenue lost is a negative metric but if you
0: revenue not lost
1: <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, so I'll tell you, have you heard of the the CLV?
0: Uh, common language verification? No.
1: No. Customer lifetime value. Oh.
0: Oh, we just call it LTV, lifetime value. But okay.
1: L-T-V. Sure, makes sense. My current my current thinking is that I would expect to see if we're going in the right direction, I would expect to see CLV go up. Of course, the problem is you need time to be able to see those trends. Um, yep. And so you wanna be able to, you wanna be able to say, actually, I'm gonna go back to my experience in Bing. We had the ability in Bing because we had everything to, we had everything hooked up. We could track changes to, um, we could track changes to an individual check-in, and because every query generates ad revenue. In that particular case, it was very easy to look, and draw connections to Alan. Your check-in yesterday cost the business. $1,284.15. We had that ability in Bing. It is because both the revenue side and the telemetry side are near real time.
0: Okay. Our our ability to measure that is lagging that.
1: Uh, as is mine currently. Um, support request is another heuristic what you're trying to do yeah so okay you have no choice i've talked myself into it all right until you have a near real-time signal that expresses a positive happy point and maybe it's usage which is common in in um in experiential stuff right like the website we talked about then yeah you have to you have to do two things you have you'll have to measure error rate but then you have to have something else that is running lagged behind that quantifies the importance of that error rate when it first rolls out you're going to have to treat ever ever every error rate as equivalently important to some degree but then over time you're going to have to do a correlation and be able to determine which errors are actually more important than others.
0: Yes. We're running out of time here, and I apologize. I will try and fix this in editing as I always do, but over the course of the podcast, Brent has moved himself farther and farther and farther (laughs) away from the microphone. He actually moved the microphone closer to his body and then slumped way back so he's... I'll fix it, as I always do. But I would push back and say I there have to be and there must be and there are things that I could measure uh, without that. That's obviously a very good measure. Without to, what, specifically? Without having real-time feedback on the cost of every change.
1: Your job... Is to reduce the time between product hypotheses and customer feedback. You need both elements of customer feedback because what you're yes. trying to grow. Have you heard of NPS?
0: What What does Microsoft call NPS?
1: No, it's not Microsoft. Fu. It's the world. All right. NPS is Net Promoter Score.
0: Yes, I have heard of Net Promoter Score.
1: Okay, you're trying to find the, and, the and, telemetric and, and, version and, and that of what, Net Promoter Score, and that Score. one is the world. You were trying to find a telemetric version of Net Promoter Score, right? If you just track error rates, then you you aren't going to be able to accurately measure the net benefit. Yes, error rates went up, but that's because this thing is super popular, yeah. And the people who love what you yeah, done are accelerating. Uh, uh, once again, than the we're, we're that
0: talking about different things. So error rates are in. I know what you're talking about, and oh my god, and I I don't know what to do. Whether I just I I think tie yes. your put you in a straight jacket and just t- put your headset on you. Hope so three four three takes off. We have error rate of course for four oh fours for example, all the different things for. What I'm talking about for errors to deployment, because yeah, you can have like an intermittent error that you get a million users on, you get a bunch more hits on, doesn't mean quality went down. Quality actually went up because you have more usage and people are using your application. I'm talking about things that cause errors at the level they cause, what you could call an outage or an incident or something that requires intervention, something that may require, something that may cause. Either a inability to move forward or in worst case a revenue loss. That level of error per deployment is what I want to reduce.
1: Oh, okay. So I'm sent Turns out I'm already central to that for core compute. I don't If the question is, is how would you change the program manager role? Essentially, to reduce outages—that's
0: one part of it—and we're out of time. Okay, but I—I I think we need to continue this discussion because I think we had a lot of miscommunication on definitions.
1: It took a while to get on the same page. So what the hell? And, I, and I think we got there. About? And I think
0: yeah. what I've discovered is that in our roles, we do a lot of the same things, which I find interesting. From a oh my. Oh my God. Mr. Hyperactive Hands over here just accidentally shoved his microphone down his pants. and I don't know what happened. So, uh, from a modern testing perspective, it's cool that we are uh, largely in the same place. Uh, but that, I, that is interesting. Um, and from a program manager perspective, it's just making sure people are doing, really, it's making sure people are doing the right things. You may have been in the test architect group. Uh, 15 years ago when I described my role as I stop people from being stupid and yeah, well how does that work Uh, that's well I, <laughs> I, I I phrase it differently now but it's like it's my my more mature result is I try and help people make good choices uh,
1: well, yeah, okay. so
0: it's a parental role sure all right I gotta go okay you gotta go we're gonna talk more about this next time I'm um well, I'm definitely frustrated. I'm definitely not Brent.
1: <laughs> and I am.
0: Okay, see you later.